0: And welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Kathy. Uh, John has changed a little bit today uh, that you'll notice. it has got a a little different look, uh, which actually is not John. It is uh, Peter from Creature Caster. And then we have just now coming back. Oh, I can see Jim in the background. He's getting everything ready. (laughs) So say hi, Kathy.
1: Hi,
0: Kathy. There we go. <laughs> Welcome to episode 171. We are having... <clears throat> ooh. Um, We're having... Ooh.
1: <laughs> what we are a, we having over there, A three-time there, smiley face
0: combo. <laughs> we had a combo go on there. So, um, today's episode 171, uh, where we have uh, Peter from Creature Caster is going to talk about not only Judgment, Eternal Champions, uh, and the Kickstarter... And also probably talk about some new Creature Caster stuff coming out, possibly. Absolutely, yeah. Sweet. Um, so let's, let's get to the business. Hey, we're a Creature, care, creature Creator, if you didn't know that. Uh, we paint some of the Creature Caster models. Uh, we will probably be painting a bit more once uh, Judgment comes out, and I get my hands on them. And I know Kathy is still working on her Reign of Desire.
1: I will uh, finish the Scissoring of Desire this year. that's good good. I'll take
2: this year
0: um also uh we we want to thank on Minis for hosting all of our files and getting that to everybody also if you are buying anything from them make sure you use the code more than dice all one word and you get 10% off your order um and uh, they will help you out they can also use your help guys because like everybody this year all hobby pod all hobby related things really need um your patronage is best way to describe it. Um, this year, last few years have been rough. Uh, we thank Tectonic Craft Studios for um, providing some product for us to give away, and Dan the Man is such a great, and lovely guy anyway. Um, and Metalhead Minis, Lynn Stahl is amazing. Uh, she hosts some of our products out sale, dice, widgets, measuring stuff, you name it. Uh, some Song of Ice and Fire that I did 3D prints on, um, but go check her out. Um, and you can get some stuff. She also hosts uh, some of the Warfare Weekend items that we're trying to sell from uh, last year, um, which all of those proceeds go to help the convention this year. So, other than that, welcome. Everybody's like, okay, yes, we're here. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, fine. We here. okay, fine.
0: So, with everything that's going on, uh, we have a tradition here where we have to talk about things that have happened out in the world. Um, for the first, like, we do what we call shout outs. If you know, anybody that's passed away or anybody that, uh, you know, needs a shout out or whatever, we give a good shout out and give a good cheer to them. Um, so, I did have, there was a member of our community that passed away recently from COVID, um, which was uh, kind of a shocker. It kind of hit, hit the gaming community a little bit. Um, and we want to definitely give a shout-out to, to that person um, and everything. Uh, Kathy, you got anybody?
1: Uh-uh.
0: Nope.
2: Peter? Yeah, I think um, yeah, it's been a little while now, but Tony from Elric's Hobbies passed away, and uh, he oh, yeah. unexpectedly, and so I know El- Elric's Hobbies is another really great uh, group of guys, and, and they could use some support as well from uh, the community, so it's um yeah it's been a rough one for them
1: we know tony and steve and uh and uh you know and love Elric's hobbies
2: oh yeah yeah so. and, yeah and that was a blow cool. yeah it was very unexpected um pretty sudden so it was it was sad
0: um and another good tradition is we talk about what we're drinking but so we can cheer them um peter what are you drinking tonight
2: I've got kind of a bit of a girly drink. I got an Amaretto Sour. It's got some egg white and bourbon in there. So uh, that's how, that's uh, probably one of my favorite drinks. But yes, so.
1: That does sound yummy. Cheers
2: to Elric's Hobbies.
0: (laughs) Kathy, what do you got?
1: Cheers, Elric. I'm drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon to go with my kick-ass ribeye steak Mm. (laughs) you know it's like my favorite thing on the planet actually i take that back a rib steak my favorite thing on the planet ribeye i mean if i can't have the bone i guess i'll still eat it
0: see i'm a filet guy i like my filet i'll take a filet over anything any day i'll still drink the cap
2: though if if someone cooks me a steak, I don't. I don't care what it is. I'm. I'm happy.
1: I absolutely care. I used to <laughs> yeah, cut picky. meat, though. So, yeah, I'm picky uh, about my meat. Yes. Yeah.
0: My my drink of choice is water. Uh, I am on my last day of antibiotics, so I get to drink whatever I want next weekend, uh, which will probably be beer. Um, but it's my last day for my antibiotics. I just took my last pill before the podcast. So I'm done 20 days of antibiotics. I am so done of that stuff. Can't handle it. Can't take it anymore. Um, guys, we appreciate everybody that watches, everybody that listens, everybody that follows us on every platform and you can find us on every audio platform out there. Um, so if there's a particular one you like, and if there's one we're not on, let me know and I'll get it, you know, set up. Um, so you can have us there. Um, Be safe. Take care of yourself. Wear your mask. Stay healthy. We want to see you when we can get together next time. From all of us here, cheers. 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 (sighs) Oh, my gosh. Wait, hold on. i got to do that again. (laughs) Damn, that's good. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> I can't wait to have a beer. Yeah,
1: that water smooth.
0: It goes smooth. smooth it water. just glides down the back <laughs> of the throat. So, so uh, Peter, we did have um, one of your cohorts on here not too long ago, uh, talking about judgment and uh, getting everything in because uh, he's a good old friend of mine. But I want to know about you. I mean, I know who you are, but I don't. How did you get started doing this? You know. When did, why did you just think, hey, I'm going to make miniatures, you know, for a living, and I'm going to make some <laughs> badass cool miniatures for a living?
2: Yeah, I mean, really, right place, right time, I, I suppose, is a big part of that story that, you know, loved the hobby, was always into it, always being a pretty creative person, um, always being making miniatures and designing worlds and uh, coming up with ideas. And it wasn't a career path for me. Um, I was actually just back in school and uh, was thinking of of trying to follow in my father's footsteps and go to med school, become a doctor. And at the time, Jeremy had done the Kickstarter. Um, my other friend, Simon, was working on the production of the Kickstarter with him. And I kind of joined the company um, towards the end of, of the Kickstarter, helping to get it delivered and kind of taking over some of the logistics and the production and that side of things and Mm -hmm. um you know part of the part of my deal was that if if um I was going to get involved and do the work for that that I wanted to have sort of the ownership share in the company and um and that's what was agreed on and that's how I ended up doing this and instead of still being in school I guess (laughs) so (laughs) it's uh uh it was definitely a change and I'm really happy that I went for it but it was uh yeah it wasn't planned it was it was circumstances the stars aligned and uh i got to start doing this
0: so you mentioned kickstarter um yeah because creature caster is that how creature caster got started was through a kickstarter
2: yeah so the original creature caster was as i said founded by jeremy so he was a, a friend of mine from before and um he designed the models for that kickstarter and launched that kickstarter and uh since then he's he's left the company he's gone on to do other projects and um and sort of it's been me and my business partner simon uh running creature caster 2.0 or you know the the retail creature caster since then
0: okay um now in a normal and i put quote around normal a normal type of thing what does creature caster go to like conventions and everything because uh, that's where I bought my first model. Uh, it was an Adepticon. Shout out to yeah. Adepticon. Uh, that's where I bought my first uh, Creature Caster model because uh, I knew about y'all, but I had no, I wouldn't say desire, but I had, I'm a gamer. So usually if I buy a model, I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this in XYZ. Um, yep. I usually very rarely buy a model just to paint and show and hang out. So um, where did y'all, you know, what's like your convention scene? pre-COVID. Let's go with that.
2: Yeah, so pre-COVID, um, I mean, really, as we were kind of talking about, CreatureCaster sort of got into the retail and started growing a lot in 2017. And at that time, the only conventions we were going to was um, local ones to BC. So we went to Wet Coast, um, Attack X, so those are both the kind of like the two bigger tournaments. Uh, we went to a few little ones in the area, and um, And during that time we kind of, you know, heard about this Adepticon thing, or Just a little con. Just as a little con, Adepticon. (laughs) Um, And we decided we wanted to go there, and um, at the time, actually, we had a lot of help from uh, Tony and Steve from Elric's Hobbies there. Actually, we probably would never have gone to Adepticon if it hadn't been for those guys, because they uh, helped us with the shipping, they helped us with the booth setup, they helped us you because know, we didn't have any um, American partners at that time, which makes it makes it difficult to go and do these things because we don't have tax status. We don't have any of the things yep. that you're supposed to have to go across the border um, to do those. So you, you need to have an American partner who can actually do the work and, and um, do that logistical side of things. So that was the first time we'd be like, okay, let's go to a convention that's bigger than our local area. And it blew our mind right so it was it was amazing uh everyone who we met there was amazing we had an incredibly positive experience and so after that we were like okay we're gonna try and go to as many conventions as we possibly can so i think we did adepticon warfare weekend lvo um we were looking at nova uh we approached gen con but we actually didn't get accepted to gen con so hopefully we'll be able to go to gen con one of these years Um, But yeah, we we kind of are very interested in going to all the conventions because I think being a company that we work behind computer screens, you know, we don't have a physical location where we get to see people. So going to the conventions was super rewarding and and is just uh, amazing for us to be able to talk to people and see people and see the enthusiasm in real life for the products we're making is is like it yeah it touches the art for sure
1: that's a huge thing it's it's one thing to be successful and selling and get all of your work done behind the scenes you know at the, the factory or in the you know your workplace but having a few conventions at least a few where you can get out and see people and talk to them and shake hands and really get to know people uh it's, it's the best. It's the best. I just... I miss it. I miss it so much.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, setting up Warfare Weekend, my phone and messages and emails blow up with people going, where's the hotel ready? When's their tickets ready? When can <laughs> we do this? How can we see this? When do I get to see you? How, when do I get to hug you? I'm, I'm ready. I want to play. And it's just... And, it, and it's nonstop, which is great, but, I mean, it's also a lot of pressure. So... I, I I get that I cannot wait. I will probably cry the entire weekend because people I haven't seen in almost you know two years. Type yeah, thing. yeah.
1: We were we were just talking about that in. Uh, I was watching my friend Jarrett's Terrain Minis uh, Twitch stream this morning, and shout out for Jarrett's Terrain Minis. He is a fantastic person, uh, a good painter. Uh, really supportive of the whole community and we were talking about adepticon and everybody in the chat was like oh my god i can't wait till 2022 everybody was like i can't wait it's gonna be my first time there last year was supposed to be my first year and you know just just all this excitement there's all this excitement there had to have been like 20 people at least who were just like I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to meet you guys. Or I'm really trepidatious because I have anxiety, you know, in large (laughs) groups, but I still can't wait, you know?
2: Yeah. So
1: I'm super excited for 2022.
2: I'm not someone who loves like huge crowds either, but uh, yeah, there's just like so much energy when you do something like that. And it is pretty exhausting as well, like going, going to the convention. So um, but it's, it's so exciting. Like I, I, recommend everybody, um, if you're feeling nervous, go for it. Right. Like it's, it's just a totally new experience uh, for me. Anyway.
0: It's a good exhaustion. One, cause you know, you work, you know, as, as someone that's been on the opposite side, like you have, it's, it's rewarding. Cause you get to see your fans. You get to see people happy because they're like, look at your miniatures and they're like, Holy crap. I get to pick these up now instead of just seeing them online and wait for them, and then you get people that come in, and it's like, I really love your stuff type mm-hmm. thing, so I mean it's 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 one of those crap, I am tired beyond belief, and I could sleep for three weeks but <laughs> damn, that was fun, and that was good
1: yeah, satisfying. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, um, Mizzy is going to put you on the spot, Captain Mizzy asks if uh, Creature Caster will be at Warfare Weekend this year um,
2: we would we would love to, I really hope that we can make it out there, um we don't really know quite yet what is going to be happening with vaccine travels restrictions. Canada is behind uh, the U S with all of those things. So, um, we are still kind of playing it a little bit by year, but tentatively we would, uh, like to be at warfare weekend. Yeah. Hopefully with some judgment demos. Yes. <laughs> Which I figured was, uh, would, would, that hopefully, would
1: be awesome. Yeah. That would be
0: awesome. Cause we have actually a complete section that is meant just for demos. For everybody to show off all their games and everything. Captain Mizzy says she's totally fair. Uh, She's just very helpful. Um, Everything is kind of, as everybody knows, um, I have a friend of mine in Canada that's supposed to come down because he's on one of the champion tournament scenes. And he's like, if he comes down, when he gets back, he has to wait two weeks. He can't. He has to quarantine for two weeks no matter what. Um, November,
1: November is a ways away. Correct. Who knows what could change between now and then correct
0: right now yeah, yeah. Says, i think what y'all's ruling now is that if someone goes out of canada when they come back they have to quarantine for two weeks at th- at this point in time so
2: that's right yeah and it's uh you know we're, we don't have a huge team so if i'm gone from two weeks and not able to work or you know more than just me because you there's usually like you know three or four of us who go so then that's four people (laughs) who aren't aren't working for two weeks, which we can't really do. So, Uh yeah, it's... We hope that all the restrictions get lifted, and and like I was saying earlier, hopefully you know, COVID becomes a thing of the past very soon, and we don't have to worry about it anymore, but uh, not quite there yet, so... Everything's still kind of... It's it's that,
0: yes, yes, oh, hold on, yes, type thing.
1: We're all still playing it by air. It's like... Would I like to? Yes. Am I positive I'm able to? No. So.
0: Yep. <laughs> um, exactly. So I got I got some I got some more questions about creature casters I wanted to go over. Your models are not your typical miniature models. Um, they're not just, you know, here's your happy-go-lucky, here's your sweet little, you know, (laughs) baby lamb type thing, or, you know, whatever. And, you know, here's a woman with, you know, 45 boobs, you know, type thing. Where did the inspiration come out to do something outside the norm? Because your miniatures are outside the norm of typical miniature companies.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think kind of one of the I mean, one of the one of the mottos we have is that we're more a company that does sort of gaming for grownups. And um, because of that, we don't feel like we need to be PG with a lot of our products. Now, having said that Judgment is a fully PG product, We we decided that because this is hopefully something that people will be playing and streaming and all of that, we didn't want them to run into any any issues with, with um twitch algorithms and and yes. you know whatnot taking them down. So, you know, that product is a fully PG product, but Creature Caster in general is not really PG. We we don't um, when we approach something, we are personally trying to make something that is uh, an artistic sculpture. So like we're not just trying to make a miniature. We want it to be a sculpture and we feel that in order to do that, we can't really be restricted as to awards like what, um, you know, what the, whether whether it's PG or not, I guess, whether it's gonna be safe for work um, or whether it's gonna contain violence or whether it's going to be, you know, we're trying to make things that maybe touch people on a little bit of a, a deeper level and uh, maybe are a little bit disturbing, maybe, maybe make people think a little bit, so.
0: Yeah, because I mean, your models are, You know, they're demonic, they're violent looking, you have some nudity, but they're not, and what's the word I'm looking for? They're not disgusting. They're not vile uh, in that nature, and it's not. um,
1: Some of them are disgusting.
2: Well, I mean. We got a few disgusting ones.
0: Correct. Uh, Yeah, I mean. But it's not disgusting as in, I'm trying to figure the word and I can't think of the word right now. Um, it, It really doesn't.
1: As in just bad sculpting
0: no as in bad taste is best yeah. way to put it yeah i, I
1: mean
2: think...
0: you you do have some nude models and you know you've got breast but it's not like gratuitous is what i'm saying it's like yeah, so, it's not gratuitous type I thing i don't know
1: it, i mean I think some of it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I think some of it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's fair. Like, you know, this is a, a, a bit of a controversial subject as to, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have tried pretty hard to have all of our characters we like to think are strong characters, whether it's male character, whether it's female character, whether it's nude, whether it's not nude. Um, we try not to be overly exploitative with any of our sculpting um you know but there are things that are controversial and you know there's things that we've been accused of whether we're being exploitative or not um and you know that's not our that's not our aim you know like for me personally it's it's not easy for me to say that okay it's bad if we have a male that has the nipple showing but if a female has the nipple showing like you know that's That's terrible, right? So, you know, these are very complex questions, I guess, that we're getting into. But, yeah, like I like to think that we um, are creating sculpts that are interesting, that are characterful, that the characters are strong, um, and and that have a good balance between the genders. You know, like, Mm -hmm. we've tried to have a very, like, equal representation of genders in our catalog. Um, And I think we're, you know, still working on doing more and more variation of sculpts and and challenging ourselves to um you know show a more diverse range of body types and um backgrounds and and you know we're excited to do that so
1: yeah and i, I don't have a problem with any of them i enjoy Neither all the I. sculpts i think they're very artistic yep. uh, and oftentimes there are whimsical aspects to to almost all the sculpts which I really like, um, I find some of them aren't sexual, some are. Some of them are sensual, and there are some that are gratuitous. It's not like they all are. That's not the focus, and that's not the purpose. Correct. So yeah. I feel like that shouldn't be the thing that people you know, judge creature caster by. No, that- I, I
2: hope not. You know, like I do think we try and do a really wide range of things, and... And yeah, we don't shy away from things that some people might find um, make them uncomfortable. You know, like those are things that we we do want to challenge people with that, you know, whether it's it's the twins, whether it's, you know, um, the lady of ecstasy or the queen of ecstasy or the lady of depravity. You know, these are some of the models that um, we kind of want to challenge some of those perspectives that are out there and have people ask the questions. And, you know, we, as I said, I think, we don't make weak characters. And I think if we were doing that, then I would be sad, you know, if we were making um, a female who was naked and weak and helpless and was a clear object that was, but you know, none of our female characters have that. Mm -mm. They all have agency, they all have power. And um, that's what's I think most important to me. I would Uh, be
1: very sad indeed if someone took away the, uh, the scissoring of Desire, and it's Vagina Dentata.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I think. In, in my opinion, I loved your sculpts. I don't have any, you know, my personal belief, I don't have any problem with whatsoever. Um, but before we get into the judgment stuff, I want to ask you a question. Um, your stuff is very, very, very reasonably priced. Uh, because the first time I went to, uh, went to Adepticon and I saw this, I was like, oh, I want this model. And then I heard how much it was. I was like, done. How do you keep your cost down? Because these aren't like, you know, little 28, 30 millimeter type models. These are huge. How do you keep your cost down on these? Yeah, these things are huge.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we worked really hard. I mean, part of it was actually, again, a bit of the circumstances around the Kickstarter. We had a certain budget. We had to get everything done within that budget. And um, it taught us how to do things you know very efficiently so we have you know certain methods that we use when we're doing our mass making our masters or making our master molds and that allows us to um, get them out a little bit faster than some other companies Um, you know we have what we consider to be a regional reasonable margin but it's probably not as big a margin as some other companies are charging either so you know i think there's a little bit of a combination there of like what we what we feel we need to make in order to keep producing the product and also being able to be efficient with our process so um, you know we have a, an efficient process in terms of the masters and in terms of the casting you know we are pretty on top of how we train people and how we get you know consistent quality models uh, coming out of the molds. so you know that combination allows us to reduce the cost of the customer, and, and that's what we always wanted to do. We always wanted to be able to make these really beautiful models and offer them at a price where people can afford them.
0: Yeah, I see, I bought, uh, which is the, what, the Lord of Slaughter uh, from my, one of my kings of war, Abyssal Army, and I looked at it, I saw how big it was and everything, and all the wings, and I was like, man, this is, it's only $75? <laughs> yeah, 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 give yeah, it to I me. Think, yeah, give I it think to
2: American. Me. 75 yeah.
0: American. I So seventy-five freedom, freedom bucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I and I, I'm really it, that I was really flabbergasted when I saw how much it was, and I was really, really happy about that because the price on that stuff is it's it's reasonable and it's not overinflated on certain things. And I was like, it, I'm used to like large sculpts, you know, hundred and fifty, and Lord of Slaughter is like seventy-five, and I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Great sculpt. Great, you know, pose, you know, great everything about it, and it's huge. And I'm like, that one's mine. Yeah. And
2: that so. was part of the thing about going to the conventions, too. I think, like, people, you know, you see it online, you don't get an idea of the scale, you don't get an idea mm-hmm. of all the details. Like, it's impossible to see that in a picture. And, we, you know, when we go to the booths at conventions, we have our models there that people can pick them up and turn them around and, um, can look at them from all the angles and see exactly, you know, the details that go into the sculpts. And I think uh, that's really cool to be able to show that off as well.
0: Uh, I'm going to switch over to our slideshow because we have a little bit of slideshow. Um, I right. have to redo a little bit of, uh, you gave me some pretty big pictures. So I'm going to resize some stuff. Uh, our first slide is, I believe it is part of your, the Kickstarter uh, for Judgment. I'm trying to get to the picture because it's like, just, that's not it.
2: Come on. Uh, yeah, I think the one you have up right now is the all the things that we've unlocked in the uh, added to our core set. So these are the extra models that we unlocked through the stretch goals. So there's uh, the Isabel human paladin, Kogan, the minotaur uh, warrior there. We got a uh, human knight, we got an elf ranger, and an elf illusionist. Um, yeah. See, Those Piper is one models.
0: of my favorite sculpts of all time. Back in the, because I, I have a lot of the old Judgment models, and Piper's is one of my favorite of all time just because it's such a unique model um, that you've done. Okay, so these are the unlock, and uh, Captain Mizzy just linked the Kickstarter um, and everything for this, and you've got a new monster
2: that you are unlocking.
1: Ooh, Inferno Monster. Yeah. Uh,
0: I yeah. just noticed that.
2: Yeah, so this one is uh, leans pretty well into, into the creature caster uh, style of sculpting. You know, we've got a, a demon there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's sort of actually kind of like a fire um, monster, fire elemental, but he's got some sort of demonic aspects to him. And uh, he was fun to work on. The He was, you know, depending on the different sculpts. So for those who don't know, Judgment went from being a 54 millimeter scale game to being a 32-millimeter scale, and part of that process was for us to sort of redo all the sculpts. We, some we um, redid from the ground up. Inferno is one of the ones that we kind of did from the ground up. Uh, some, like Piper, are actually don't have much change to it. It's already a model that we we're really happy with, so we just changed some little details around the anatomy and some um, some of the details to make it work better at a 32-millimeter scale. But, yeah, so... Now, in
1: Yeah, the, go ahead, Cass. The fifty-four millimeter models will still be game playable, like in tournaments, right?
2: Yeah. So if you have the fifty-four millimeter, they fit pretty well onto the map. There's, you know, a very slight overlap onto the hexes, but they're fully playable. We've played a bunch of games with them on the map, and they're going to be uh, you would be able to bring them to the tournaments if you already have them. We're not going to force people to play with the version two models, but um, so far it seems like a lot of people are picking up the version two. So,
0: I. I... I'm like, like I, I can't jump into the Kickstarter right now. My money's kind of tight, but I am definitely want to get into it as soon as it comes, like when I have the money for like retail or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, I probably will rebuy all of them and just take the 54s and kind of paint them up and just go, hey, these are the Titan scales.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're kind of the cool models. collector's edition. Some people are using them. So, again, this is a change between version, but we've added like the um, – sort of the god system to it where all the characters have alignment with different gods and there's there's no ha- hard factions and judgment so it's a little bit more like magic where you would have like your color pie mm-hmm. and you'd be able to choose you know whichever colors you want to combine together and you'd be able to take any creatures you want just provided you kind of have the mana to cast it so it's a similar idea with the with the gods is that you can take whatever heroes you want but if you choose the ones that are aligned to your gods you're gonna get bonuses so by that kind of makes it for interesting list building that you get to do because now you get to choose are you going for hero synergy or are you going for the god synergy and it also if you're a new player makes it a lot easier to get started because you have you choose whatever god you like and then you have a list of heroes that are champions of the god and you can just choose from that smaller list of heroes to make your warband so it's like
0: a theme yeah like a theme theme, yeah, um, exactly. At the very bottom of this, the Istar and Krognar effigies. Now, in the original edition, there wasn't really these type of things, the effigies. It was just like this hex that was there, and that was like, "Oh, that's my effigy of to kill." But now you've yeah. got physical representation, and these are badass. I really like these.
2: Yeah, these are really cool, and so these are the representation of your god on the battlefield. Um the lore behind it is that, you know, there's the demons have kind of started invading this this plane of existence. And in order to protect it, they've built all the gods have built these this network of effigies and it kind of creates like this barrier that um that protects them from the demons. But now the gods are fighting over who's gonna control these net these sort of nodes on the network. So, you know, you kind of take down the opponent's effigy and you get to turn it into one of your own. That's how you win the game, right? So um you know, the greater story is that if you're able to conquer all the effigies, you'll have complete control over the entire network and you'll sort of become the, you know, omnipotent God of everything. So that is the the storyline. Uh, all the gods have some cool personality, some cool lore behind it. And we wanted those effigies to be really badass because I think that's the first thing that people look at. You know, we have a lot of heroes now We in the Kickstarter there's thirty-one heroes. In retail there'll be over forty heroes. Um that can be a little bit overwhelming, but if I say here's six really cool gods, choose the one that you think fits your personality. That's a that's an awesome way of getting into a game. Yeah.
0: Now I, I brought up the next slide I brought up is uh some of their painted sculpts. It's like six painted uh it was like five no six painted ones. Um Yeah. And um a couple of them are very, very, very similar. Like, uh, I don't remember the Elf Necromancer and the Minotaur name. I don't know the names very well. But they're very reminiscent of the original sculpts. Just tweaked and changed a little bit.
2: Yeah, we really wanted to keep the, you know, even if there's some changes to the model, we wanted to keep, like, the core of their personality. Um, the Elf not not a ton of changes. You know, we kind of, like, modified the face but we kept the same pose, you know, we've kept the same, um, kind of kept the same overall feeling. We we improved the hair and the hands and the cloak, but it's still the same recognizable character from edition one. So, you know, we want to respect what edition one accomplished and respect some of the characters that were developed there.
0: And uh, do you know who painted some of these models?
2: Yeah, these were all painted. Um, this set was painted by Dylan Cartier. Uh, he's a painter from Vancouver. And incredible, incredible painter. We like to always give a shout-out to whoever did it.
0: All right. Um, This is your exclusive, Isabel. Um, How how did she get exclusive, and why is she exclusive?
2: So Kickstarter, we always feel you need something uh, exclusive that you can offer to people. The nature of Judgment is we want it to be a game that people are playing for years. We can't have things that are going to be... um, exclusive and, and no one can ever get them again because that would distort the balance of the gameplay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's really important to us. So, you know, this is basically a model that this this version of her, this sculpt of her is only going to be available for the Kickstarter. Um, we're really proud of this model. I think it's incredibly awesome um, and something, you know, different from what Creature Caster usually does. Um, and it was really nice to be able to, like, show off some of our skills in in a different way and um yeah this particular sculpt won't ever be available again we were retired after the kickstarter there will be a new one um but it will look significantly different
0: yeah because this really this model really deviates from the creature caster type thing because it's isn't she like a uh human paladin
2: yeah exactly she's she's anti-demon so you know she's the anti-creature caster model <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's she's really good. We worked really hard on getting the face the way we wanted. Um, we kind of wanted a really noble face. Um, and the armor is really awesome. yeah, we, we spent a lot of time on this model. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of it.
0: Yeah, that was um, one thing I did notice about uh, the Kickstarter is you're offering two different types of production models. You're offering a PVC and a resin type. Uh, the pvcs are all one sculpt uh one model no gluing and the resins of course the typical gluing and type thing
2: so they're pre-assembled so you know when the casts are made in the pvc they do come in parts but they're assembled um overseas so you know that part of everything is is outsourced to china um the resin we make in-house and comes not assembled um is more expensive and you get some additional options so you know like for example for Isabel, we're working on doing some wings so you can remove the cape and give her kind of angel wings so oh, that's
1: cool i like the idea of there being pvc one and a resin one yeah i i got a game that all the the kickstarter exclusive models for that game were pvc models and they didn't plan to ever make any other models and it was a board game and it was supposed to be just, you know, stand, cardboard stand pieces. Right. Uh, and so the models were exclusive, but they were the PVC. And I was wishing, I was wishing that they had a resin option so that you could, you know, file mold lines and assemble it yourself in a slightly more careful manner. You know, and I, I still painted the PVC ones, but I the whole time I was painting, I was like, man, I really wish I could... You know get rid of this mold line but you know with that material it's very difficult and and then you know some of the arms and stuff were only slightly a little bit off and i was like oh like i could just if i had put it together myself i could have filled this gap with a little green stuff and you know finessed it a little bit yeah
2: Uh, Yeah, but
1: I... i still love them and i love the idea that you have that both options
0: Correct. And that's what I think is great because you got, you know, Kathy, which is a, a crafter and an artist with it all and everything. And then you've got people that are like, I can't do this for crap. And they're just like, I got the model. I put it on the table. I'm good to go and I'm good to play, which is good in my opinion. You're catering yeah. to different play styles and different
2: artistic levels.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It was a tough choice because obviously it's, um, it increases our cost significantly by offering both materials. But, you know, we have our Creature Caster um, customer base is used to resin. They like building the models. We wanted to make sure we had, you know, some, a product that was really going to be appreciated by them and is, is similar to all the products they're used to from us. And then at the same time, we want this to be a game that, you know, you can open your box and play it. If that's the type of person you want to be, it, um, you, can, you can open that up, play your game. models aren't going to like resin is more fragile you know Mm -hmm. if you're not experienced with resin resin is probably not the product you want right because you have to assemble it it's work and if you're not careful with your models they're going to break so you know the pvc is there as a wonderful starting material we're putting a ton of work into trying to make those pvc models look nearly as good as the resin ones like we're doing everything we can Um, to elevate PVC. And it's really interesting, you know, because originally I was very anti-PVC because I'm really used to the sort of soft PVC that's like really bendy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this PVC that we're using is very rigid. It's, you know, super hard material. Um, Mold lines are a little bit easier to clean with that. Um, You know, it is pre-assembled. So might not be as well assembled as if you were to take a resin one, assemble it yourself. You don't have the options that you do with resin of how you're going to assemble it. Or, you know, if you want to do those little things that hobbyists like to do, like, you know, change a weapon or change the pose, you know, it's pretty difficult to do that in PVC, but
0: PVC has come a very long way. Uh, It it is, it is no longer the rubbery, you know, floppy type stuff. It is actually because I know it was, um, uh, Star Wars Legion uses that and the, it's come out very well. So, I mean, it, it, it actually has done really good. Uh, I brought yeah, up your uh, effigy of Ishtar and you said it, it's a PVC sculpt also. This thing is cool as shit. I don't care what it says. That is an awesome looking effigy. Uh, I like that you have a 3D one and a 2D one.
2: Yeah, so actually now in the core box, we unlocked all the effigies as well, so you get a 3D effigy in the core box, you get the cardboard as well. Some people were, you know, we were like, well, do we really need the cardboard anymore? Um, but if you want to travel, maybe you don't want to pack around your yeah. effigy, so it might be easier for that. Um, I I would make the effort to pack it around, though, because <laughs> it looks so cool. I really like my games to be super immersive, um, and we put a lot of effort into, into elevating judgment that way, right? So we wanted it to have those options. If, if you're someone who's wants to get into the world of, of feeling like you're in a place. You know, we've got the train, we've got the effigies, we've got um, all the abilities that the characters cast are represented with 3D sculpted tokens. Um, so everything we've done is to try and kind of like
0: have you um,
2: that level of immersion.
0: Have you talked with the Judgment guys? And this is something, since y'all are doing 3D effigies and everything, um, one of the things I did like uh, in one game, and it was Guild Ball, um they gave not a reward out for the best-painted army, their best-painted goal. And I think that would be kind of cool to have, you know, hey, who has
2: the best effigy? Because can I make my own effigy? Yeah, we. I mean, I think we... That's something we'll have to discuss when we get to uh-huh. the tournaments, but uh-huh. I don't see any problems with people doing scratch-built effigies, and we could, we could have something really cool with that too, yeah. Uh,
0: because y'all are actually doing... It's not mandatory, but y'all are actually have 3D terrain now.
2: Yeah, we have 3D terrain. Which I option. think
0: it's amazing since you're going as a gridded system. Um, the making the terrain is like, oh, here's the hex, here's where it goes. Um, and I think that is really, really good for the game, uh, for the board, because it's not a lot of terrain. It, it's not like huge, bulky stuff, but I mean, it is so much more of an immersion when you see that 3D terrain on the table.
2: Yeah, it makes me really excited to play. Like, every time I start setting it up, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is the game that I, I want to get into just because I love the way it looks, right? And the way we're doing it now, so before there used to be preset scenarios and they used to be on a printed map and it used to be fixed. But now we have the terrain pack and that terrain pack, we... We have a map supplement, so it shows you where to lay out your train. You can also build your own scenarios now, so you can do you can move the train however you want. So really, there's like unlimited ways that you can now set up your board. Um, So in terms of replayability, you know the the game already has a ton of replayability, but now you have even more because you can create your own scenarios. And uh, yeah, it looks cool, and and we'll be able to do more train in the future. I hope so.
0: Um, I'm just showing the Krognar one. This one's actually really cool looking too, uh, coming out of the portal type stuff. I think it looks really neat. I think it's, and it's got a really cool paint job to it. Um,
2: yeah, these ones were painted by Mitch Stevens. He's our um, he's our in-house painter.
1: I have a question about the the resin. Do you have any plans with with some of the resin judgment models since they're digitally sculpted to scale them up and and have larger models available
2: yeah so in the kickstarter we have two 54 millimeter ones that we've scaled up uh doesn't need much change scaling it up we, we found that very minimal changes were needed and um those uh, we're always going to do those as sort of limited editions so those two fifty-four millimeters, there's the Isabel you can get at fifty-four millimeter and the Saiyan, the elf priestess, is available at fifty-four millimeter as well. And so both of those will be exclusive to the Kickstarter. And, you know, we'll probably do the different stuff for different events. We'll scale scale a model up and return it to the fifty-four millimeter size, which I think is just a ton of fun for people who are painters or, you know, like to work in that scale. So we'll we'll, we'll be doing that
0: one of the things that we talked about uh, last time was the old judgment, you know, the models were so big and it was pretty expensive Um, now the models are shrunk down and much, much cheaper Um, but y'all are able to make and produce bigger models, so you could have technically a dragon, and I put quotes because we don't know uh, (laughs) a large scale dragon miniature on there that takes up more hexes and it's not going to cost us you know, $300 for this model type thing.
2: Yeah, that was definitely part of the consideration of what we wanted to do is um, by bringing the judgment scale down, it matched with, you know, Creature Caster's big model scale. So even though they're huge, they're 32 millimeter compatible, right? So like we, we were sculpting the details on them to be compatible with a 32 millimeter model So now there's a match between the judgment scale and the creature caster model scales. And so as we move forward, there's the opportunity to kind of like introduce some bigger monsters and even potentially a bigger, bigger battle system, you know, as we go through. So we could have um, more heroes on the board or play on a bigger board and that type of thing.
0: Yeah, because one of the things that um, the biggest change, in my opinion, I'm a big competitive player um, and. Um, One of the things that's always, and I hate to say it, it's an argument, is measurement. And everybody I've talked to, um, and everybody I know that's a tournament-style player, yes, they do like the measurement system, but in a small-scale game, y'all adding these hexes and doing this in there solves so many argument-slash-problems in the game that I, I, I applaud you for this because I don't have to worry about... Am I, you know, a hair's length away or hair's width from the model? I can go, he's six hexes away, done. It makes for quarter yeah. gameplay, makes for ease and simplicity, and it just goes and it, it, it's done. I don't have to worry about anything on that.
2: It speeds the game up. You don't have to worry if you nudge a model, if you knock it off the hex, you're like, okay, well, I know what hex it was on. Right. You know, like all of these things are really key for playing at a competitive level, I think. Um, but even more importantly for me is they're pretty key for teaching new people how to play the game, right? So if you have somebody who's never done a game where you have to measure things out and do all these, these particular movements, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. So the hex system makes that so much easier. And so like, I'm, uh, I love teaching the game to people as well uh, with the hexes on it.
0: Um, Our next image we have on here uh, is, it looks like some type of witch. Who is this?
2: Yeah, so this is our trickster model. This one is going to be coming up, uh, I think July is probably when he'll be available. And he's pretty cool. Um, I've got our sample print here. I, I bent the staff on it a little bit,
1: but I don't know if that's focused <laughs> oh, at all, but
2: it might uh, be impossible to see that. Give me one second. don't have your picture. I like
1: me. that model. I like the artwork. I suppose Are the model would probably be good too, but I really like the artwork. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, so he's a little a little hard to see in the camera, but you can see we've got and really tall, um, right. yeah, really tall very tall model. So uh, this is another another little model that we've been working on, and this one is our uh, our first infantry size model that we're planning on releasing. Um, and people got a preview of this guy in our Atriarch of Ruins set. Actually, came with with one of the little infantry guys. So he's really tall, really slender. Um, but he fits really well with our atriarchs, and hey, I uh,
1: like that a lot.
2: Yeah, he's a little bit something, a little bit different, a little bit more playful than some of the models we usually do, and we're really happy with him. We think he's gonna be um, super popular. He's See, uh, I'm like
0: when when I was uh, getting into judgment and playing it, I like, and I call them pet classes, the necromancers. Oh, I get to bring out skeletons. Bring out this demon? Yes, that's. I'm going to flood you <laughs> with all of these models so you have to deal with that. So, you know, whenever I, I like to see, you know, necromanex type stuff. Um, your next one looks like the same model, but writing a beholder
2: type. Yeah, so um, this is. I got the print of that one, too. Oh, so hold on, let me switch it so people can see that. Yeah.
1: It looks like the creature caster uh, logo representative there. <laughs> I'm gonna...
2: Yes, he's he's really cool. So when we do this kit, we have uh, we have him and the uh, eyeball, <laughs> floating eyeball, and then we have him riding the floating eyeball. So there's um, the two uh, different ways cool. that you can you can use them. So you can uh, have different stats
0: different stats while riding on the eyeball?
2: So this one is not in judgment at this time. So he's uh, there's no stats there's no stats for him. Uh, just the pure sculpt so you can use them for whatever you want okay um would so be great. great for great for some D&D, I think
1: oh, yeah. oh my gosh i love those
0: I, I do like it though because it looks like he has now that i can tell it looks like he has more than it looks like he has six legs
2: yeah he's got let me let me count how many well he we has have those arms, arms that were six. just
1: sort of hanging down off at, at the waist in the uh, yeah. standing up one.
2: Yeah, they're kind of leg arms, so he's got he's got a <laughs> a, a pretty unusual anatomy. But I think like, he's uh, like an arachnid, awesome.
1: sort of. Sort yes. of.
2: Yes. Yeah, he's pretty twisted. Um,
0: Your next one looks like uh, Lord Fazil.
2: Yeah, this is Lord Fazil. So he is a judgment sculpt that we uh, we chose to rework this one from the ground up. This is the um, illustration for him. So. He's an undead um, knight, and we took a little bit of the Death Dealer type of vibes. We wanted to get that in there, so he has some Death Dealer feel. And he's the first undead to ever exist in the um, Athian universe, in the Judgment universe.
0: Yeah, because the Lord Fazil in original was sort of like a Frost Knight, Death Knight in a way, in a little bit. You know, it was less undead looking. And more, you know, plate looking. And now this one's definitely, definitely you can tell this is an undead model. <laughs> okay,
2: yeah, nice. I mean, I, I think the first one had quite a bit of um, Arthas from WoW type of inspiration. Uh-huh. And this one is, is, you know, a little bit more uh, the way Creature Caster kind of leans with their our art style is, is not so much the um, little less cartoony than the previous versions of Judgment.
0: Uh, and that was it. That's all you got. Um, that's So, go. so rules-wise, judgment. Um, let's get into some of the nitty-gritty. Still going to have a tournament scene?
2: Yes, very important. Uh, we still want to see that being played as a tournament. We are already running some tournaments in our beta testing. Um, and that's something that we're going to, for sure, keep supporting.
0: Okay, because I know like at Warfare Weekend y'all did, the JNAC was there, and um, I was really proud and happy to have that at Warfare Weekend um, type thing, and I can't wait to have y'all back again and have that tournament again, because it was a lot of fun. A lot of people showed up for it. Uh, we had a lot of new people uh, pick up models um, at at Warfare Weekend. I'm kind of getting their screens back to normal. Um, <laughs> on top of that... Um, do y'all, how is the tournament scene going to work since we've got new mats and new terrain? Um, are we still going to do like a pick and band system?
2: Yeah, so there's there's a couple of different things with tournaments. So there's, um, we have the 3v3 mode, which is the sort of the main mode that you get in the core box. So mm-hmm. um, that is a fully tournament playable system as well, a little bit faster than the 5v5, which I believe the JNAC was a 5v5 last time. Um, So we might be running a combination of threes and fives, or um, threes leading into fives. We'll we'll kind of be making that determination as we go. Um, Pick and ban, we now have two different types of pick and ban system as well. So one we're calling the veto system, which is kind of like your traditional uh, you ban something, and then the opponent picks their warband out of the remaining heroes. Um, The veto system... You get to choose a hero, your opponent bans a hero, you choose another hero, your opponent bans a hero, and then you get uh, your last three heroes out of that, um, or one hero, depending if you're playing threes or fives. So both of those have very different feels, like very different list building um, is required, and they're both really awesome. So um, I will probably have some tournaments in each, and yeah, we'll, we'll be looking to to do more and more tournaments as time goes on. Uh, Warfare weekend seems like a no brainer for uh, 2022 for us. If you're happy to have us, we will be oh. happy to bring the JNAC back there as well. So.
0: Uh, always happy. Um, it, it's it's really good to have um, a game this size um, because it's it's there. It's people, they don't have to bring a lot of models so they can like, oh... I really sucked at, you know, this tournament. I can go jump into your tournament because I didn't have to bring seventy-five models to play, you know, in this um, yep. type thing. And I really, I really like, um, I like the style of the game because it's not just the model goes up, kicks somebody's butt, and it's done, and it's wiped off the board. Just because the model dies, it still can come back.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like you're always, you know, part of the part of the system is you always feel like you have your full warband available, which I think is kind of similar to something like Guild Ball, you, you know, as opposed to something like Blood Bowl, right? Blood Bowl, you start losing heroes in Blood Bowl and you're pretty much out of the game, right? You can't, it's hard to get back into it. So with this, you know, losing heroes and even when and how you lose heroes is actually becomes part of the strategy. Um, and you know the idea is that these effigies are essentially maintaining the physical bodies of all your heroes so provided your effigy is still alive your heroes can be regenerated onto the battlefield
0: but if your effigy is dead you've lost the
2: game the effigy dead; you've lost the game so until until you lose the game (laughs) you keep getting bring your heroes back yeah uh heroes
0: um, still level up
2: heroes level up so we go go up to level three on all the heroes so uh every hero can can level up twice. And that is also part of the strategy, deciding which heroes and when you're going to get those levels. Um, Very important. And magic items still in the game? You get the magic items when you... So you do have the shop action, which is, again, I think, probably one of the most MOBA-feeling things about the game for me is you get to... um, When you do die, you go to your effigy, you get to do a shop, so you get to give your guy some equipment. So he's you know maybe got knocked out, but now you get to come back a little bit stronger, which is which is a really cool dynamic. And also when you kill the monsters, you get to go shopping and you get to choose what artifacts you'd like to get from uh, killing the monsters on the board.
0: Yeah. Um, originally, Judgment had a an app to build armies and to mark damage and all that. Still going to be compatible? Still going to have that also?
2: Warband Commander is already upgraded. So Warband Commander is the name of the app. That's mm-hmm. already being upgraded to... Um, to the beta version of two. So, you know, that has pretty much the full rule book. All the cards are fairly close to the final version. And um, as we move to the retail, that'll all be upgraded into new graphics, um, the final polished version of the rules, final polished version of the cards, and probably a few little other improvements that we're hoping to sneak in there. Um, But yes, that's basically Basically for tournament play, and that's really helpful because you don't always have a ton of room on the table. So you can take the your phone and bring up the app and you can track your hero damage, you can track what gods you're using, everything can be done in the app. Gotcha. Um, so Kickstarter's only got like fifty hours left in it.
0: Um you hit quite a few goals. After the Kickstarter's over, uh it shows on there that it's like roughly January twenty twenty two. Uh, and we all know it, Kickstarters that can fluctuate. Uh, we're all used to that by now. After the Kickstarter's done and we're looking at retail, what's after the Kickstarter and retail? What are we looking at?
2: Uh, in terms of what models we've got planned or, you know, just general plans?
0: G- general models, you surprise us, you know.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, after we deliver the Kickstarter, um, we have a very aggressive release schedule for the first year. So there's a lot of heroes that we want to get out to people and we're going to be releasing um, releasing on a very rapid schedule. So after we, after we get it out to people, people start playing. We want to make sure we can add even more to that experience. Um, and after that, the following year, we're hoping to do a slightly slower release um brand new heroes uh the 2023 will have some some or it'll have probably the very last heroes that people have ever seen before after that'll it be all unique heroes for judgment uh 2022 we're also going to be bringing out unique heroes that no one's seen before but there will be a lot of familiar ones as well so we're kind of mixing that in and in with having new heroes and old heroes as we get everything caught back up to where version one was. um, We have sort of a lot of plans around what we want to see happening with retail stores and what we want to see happening with the tournament scenes. And so we're gonna be spending a lot of our time building that side of things up as well. And we have some retailers who are really interested in working closely with us. So we're really excited to be working with them and you know we're hoping to see sort of regular game nights happening and you know we have some other possible big plans that we're not ready to announce yet so we'll, <laughs> i'll have to wait but we're not going to wait
0: you're not going to be waiting like once we get the kickstarter we're not going to be waiting six months for new stuff to come out type thing
2: no and so you know when the kickstarter comes out obviously that's a lot of models people will be getting 30 31 models for someone who's ordered them all. Um, A lot of people will have the core set, and Mm -hmm. the core set right now has 12 models in it, I think. So 11 models, possibly 12. Um, And that, you know, like if you're a a casual gamer, that core set provides you with entertainment that's gonna last years. But if you are sort of um, a really competitive player or someone who's been already into Judgment, you won't have to wait that long before you get stuff that you've never seen before, or, um, uh, that is brand new for you.
0: But, uh, but with that coming in, like I said, that's where course that comes in, you'll have the rules for the, for all the models out, even the ones that, you know, aren't in the new scale. So I can still
2: use my old model. So you'll have the rules for those old models out. So the rules for the old models are done. We probably won't have them be tournament legal because not everyone will have access to them. Okay. So in terms of tournament legality, you won't be able to use the old models in the tournament, but you'd be able to use them at home. The rules will be part of the Warband Commander, but okay. because not everybody has access, that wouldn't create a fair play environment. So, uh,
0: Of course, yeah. That, that's that's One of the rules that we have um, in our tournaments at Warfare Weekend is pre-release models are allowed if they're bought at the convention, if you bought them somewhere else, they aren't. But if they are, they were released. Like, like you know, one of our companies, they release. You know, they'll do a pre-release at the convention. We're like, yes, that's legal because everybody at the convention has the ability to grab it. Um, but that seems it, like a
2: good uh, good incentive.
0: Yeah, I like yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, we we it's usually it's one of our rules on most of our tournaments. Our games is like, if you bought it somewhere else and it's still not tournament legal and it's still not out to the public it can't be used but if it was brought out at the convention it can be used because everybody has a chance to use it type of thing so now i get that completely as a competitive player it would be pretty crappy if jim bob that you know went overseas to a convention and was able to get that rare sculpt and rare rules and then brought it over here and just you know is able to use it it, it, it doesn't doesn't give a fair playing field best way to put it
2: yeah exactly we were going to make sure that anything that we release that's exclusive or um, rare is cosmetic so yeah. you know there'll be cosmetic upgrades that you might be able to get at a convention that nobody else has but in terms of gameplay advantage it'll everyone will be on the same level playing field
0: yeah alt sculpts are great because it's just like oh that's the alt sculpt that's cool I didn't have that one but yeah. it adds no no advantage in the game
2: yeah and with the uh, you mentioned the terrain before as well for tournaments so there will be a tournament pack that goes out which has the scenarios that that particular tournaments Mm -hmm. can use or that the tournament organizers can choose the scenarios from that scenario booklet and so yeah this the tournaments will have um sort of a standardized format so that that becomes fair and potentially we can turn that into more of sort of like a global campaign ultimately to be like okay You know, there's these 10 different tournaments that got played all over the place. You know, who's the grand champion type of a thing, so. (laughs)
0: Um, Ryu Spitfire says, in case you're wondering, I'm super happy right now because I got something that I was waiting for a bit on. (laughs) So, not sure. (laughs) But um, I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to see Judgment come back um, into the scene. I'm excited for a new play format. Um, uh, I'm excited to be able to, like, put this down and, and play on it. Um, like I said, you've made it much more friendly, uh, newbie friendly. Best way to put it. Um, so I think that's really really good in my opinion because a lot of games, especially if they've been out for quite a few years, people are scrambling to get forward, and it's it's a big overwhelming act. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Tech the hexes hat. help a lot with the with the simplifying it is still like a really incredibly deep tactical game. Like, it's one of, um, it, it's, you know, has a fair degree of complexity. So having the hexes definitely helps get mm-hmm. over the initial hurdle of learning and, and moving on to the greater tactics that are there.
0: Technocat has a question. Will the resin collector's version of the models be standard stock when game releases? Or is it the plastic only going to be standard stock and resin is always going to be limited?
2: Yeah. So. We are going to offer both the resin and the PVC in the retail uh, side of things direct from CreatureCaster. When we go to individual retailers, we don't think that we're going to be able to produce enough resin stock in order to um, fulfill the retailer's demand. So it'll probably only be PVC that goes to the retail stores. Also, the Kickstarter has exclusive parts for all the models. So those parts will not ever be made again. So they'll just be made for people who ordered resin during the Kickstarter.
0: Okay. So in release, if you want resin, you have to get the Kickstarter. Otherwise everything else is going to be PVC from here on out.
2: No, we will be offering resin direct from creature caster. Okay. We just so won't be able to ship it to all the different retailers. So, Gotcha. So will a re- be retailer
0: direct. be able to buy it from you
2: and then have it delivered to the store. Uh, Good question. We'll have to look at that. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely, you know, the the big problem with resin, which I think everybody knows now, is uh, it's difficult to scale, right? So, um, it's a lot of training. It requires a lot of space. It doesn't, um, it doesn't scale very well in terms of production. So we're doing our very best to, again, use our kind of like methodology that we have of being really efficient with it and sort of scale that up. And I think we're doing that better than most other companies have been able to. But it still becomes very challenging when we start talking about, you know, are we going to stock 100 retail stores with a complete product range in resin? Um, We might be able to get there, but it it won't be something that we're getting to immediately.
0: Is there going to be a big price difference? That was, that was something I, I didn't know. Is the PVC and the resin, what's the price difference going to be?
2: Yeah, there's a pretty big price difference between PVC and resin. So um, uh, let me look really quickly. So the core set in PVC is, on Kickstarter, it's 110 It will be more expensive than that in retail. And it's 199 in resin. So it's like nearly double the price Uh, to do the resin core set. Um, And that's, like, pretty similar for all of our add-on packs, all of those things. Uh, I think it's about... PVC is about a 40% price drop compared to resin.
0: Whenever whenever this goes live and goes to retail stores and everything, is the PVC going to be cheaper than the resins?
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's... um, that, I mean, that's one of the big things that when we talk about scaling is, you know, just very briefly getting into the manufacturing. PVC, you make the mold. The mold costs a lot of money. It's made out of metal, but your cost per figure is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Um, resin, you make the mold, but the mold burns out every, you know, 20, 30 models that you produce, oh, and wow. you have to remake the mold. So, you know, the process that's happening there is, with the with the PVC, the more we sell, the less it costs us. And with mm-hmm. the resin, it's the same cost. You know, it doesn't matter if we make a million copies of resin or if we make ten. You know, it's it's going to cost us the same, the same per model. Um, I
0: didn't know it was that. It was that. I wouldn't say low, but twenty seems like a low number to me to get out of a cast.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty low. Those, um, especially when you're dealing with complex models like we have, um, and you know, we have pretty high quality control over what we're willing to accept in terms of mold deterioration. Mm-hmm. So the longer you run those molds, um, the best model is always the first model and you get progressively worse from there. So between, you know, it could, you might be able to get all the way up to 40 if depending on what the piece is shaped like, how many undercuts there are, whether the silicone is going to get caught and torn. But uh, yeah. I
1: think we've all had those models where we found a little piece of silicone wedged in one of the yeah
2: you know
1: <laughs> in, in a little overhang or something and then you know you're like well, that
2: old that, was, mold, that, that mold. was probably the last one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
0: um it's, almost, it, it's actually into our media section but we're we're glad to talk about everything else do you have anything you want to add before we go to media section
2: no, just, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be able to actually play with people in real life. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, me, and like the Everybody. entire world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, everybody's looking forward to that. Uh, let's jump over to the media section. Let's see what we got. So we have to, of course, I have to fix my camera because it always goes wonky in the middle of the stream. Um, so, you don't know, no, this is our media section. And in the media section, we have a rating scale. We have two rating scales on this this uh, media section. One is Cats to Casablanca, with Casablanca being the greatest movie ever made and Cats being the worst movie ever made. And then we have a rating scale of Space Herpes. The more Space Herpes, the worse it is. Um, so I'll let Kathy go ahead and do her first movie. That way you can get a judgment. And I know you and I have a movie we can talk about together. So, yes. Kathy, what's your first uh, movie okay, you want to so read? Okay,
1: so I have three I have three movies what I know right so the, the first one that I, I will talk about is Nights in Rodanth because last night I just wanted to watch something uh, you know sappy romantic kind of thing because you know sometimes I want to do that and this, this movie was it, I don't know when it came out it came out late 90s maybe I actually don't know. Anyways, <laughs> Richard gear and Diane Lane and, and it's about this guy who's a doctor. He, a patient dies on the table. He's, you know, he's kind of traumatized by it. his life has changed. Uh, and he goes to this small Island in North Carolina, I think, uh, where there's this, this sort of Bed and breakfast out on the Right on the coast, right on the water On the ocean uh, But but he goes to this Town to meet the guy whose wife Died on the operating table so that he can Talk to the guy And He doesn't really know what to say And and the woman who's at the hotel Is, or the bed and breakfast is She's got, she's going through uh, The breakup of her marriage It's her husband left it's disintegrating but now he wants to get back together and she's like I don't know what I want to do her life is changing so both these people are at a crossroads and they get thrown together and there's a hurricane and you know it but but it's it's all about people being at a crossroads in life and the choices they have to make and they're not always easy choices uh, and Second chances are a possibility And uh, there was a moment in this That was a bit of a tearjerker Made me a little weepy And there was another moment that made me cry my eyes out
2: <laughs> Oh my
1: god Like I had to get a Kleenex <laughs> But it was good It was good it, And it wasn't It wasn't as sappy as I felt as I thought it would be, which is nice. But uh, overall, I felt like it was it was a really good movie. It had some very meaty, deep things happening in it, not like lighthearted rom-com kind of a thing, which kind of took me by surprise. I didn't know what to expect. So, but it was good. Uh, I'm giving it zero space herpes because when a movie makes me ball my eyes out and not hate it, um <laughs> that's it's a good thing. <laughs>
2: right.
1: So that's uh, that's that one. Peter what you got?
2: Okay, well, do we do we want to start with the one we both watched or sure, we can wanna... do that. Okay. Yeah, so yesterday watched Army of the Dead on Netflix. So that's like I think pretty new. Netflix release mm-hmm. um, it is basically not super deep action packed movie <laughs> not uh, there's some pretty huge plot holes in it I what? don't know how much you want to want to reveal about the plot so maybe I'll let you take over and, and you could describe the plot
0: yeah um, the plot is without doing spoilers the plot really is a zombie movie with a bank heist is The best way to put it, um, <laughs> yes, so it, it's kind of like, um, what is it? What was a zombie, uh, what was the zombie movie that came out with um Woody Harrelson in it? Zombie Land, Land, it's kind of like a more serious zombie land with a um Ocean's Eleven feel to it, <laughs> um, yeah. but not a great Ocean's Eleven feel. It to me. It was. It's very gory. Uh, there is so much gore and blood and all that stuff in this is not even funny. Um, so it is not for you know the faint of heart or whatever. But it is very gory. Um, there are a ton of plot holes. Um, what cracks me up it goes, "This is a Zack Snyder cut because he's the one that directed it." This put Zack Snyder. It went down. <laughs> um, the movie isn't bad but it's two and a half hour zombie movie and
2: it, it feels long. It, it felt pretty long, right? Like it was, um, there was entertaining parts. I liked the, I liked the cast of characters. So it's like kind of that, like you said, the oceans level 11, you go around and you gather your, your group of heroes who are going to go on this adventure and so I like the cast of characters that were put together for it. I find that to be a little bit cheesy, kind of you know that you're you're building up your uh, war band or your 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 adventure party in the movie. But I do uh, I do get a kick out of it. Still, I can't help myself. Um, so I liked the I liked the cast of characters that they had It was. that uh, were going on this adventure together. But in terms of the actual plot or the reasons and how it all went down was um yeah it, it didn't make hardly any sense to me as to why people were <laughs> doing what they were doing and um yeah i can't say too much about it without having some pretty pretty major spoilers uh i did like these zombies they kind of had like two different tiers of zombie in the movie so there's like the slow mindless zombie and then there's like the fast scary zombie and I, I sort of liked that idea that there was like the different types and there was like a whole zombie civilization that had been created mm-hmm. which on the surface is something that could be really cool I, I you know I really like how would a zombie civilization function um but they didn't explain any of it and I don't think it would have functioned and I think it, you know like <laughs> it was just a it was just a huge um Hole in the plot for me. Yeah. So yeah.
0: There, there was there was a quite a few plot holes in it. Is it a good rompy fun zombie killing flick? Eh. It's okay. Uh, was it horrible? No, it wasn't bad. But it wasn't you know, it wasn't great either.
2: Yeah, I think if you're going into it to be to not think too much about stuff, not analyze it and just enjoy seeing zombies getting killed and having some fight sequences, then, you know, you'd probably be entertained by it. It's not going to really challenge you intellectually or <laughs> in, no. in any other way. And it may be way too gory for some people. Um, none of that really bothers me, so that was that was fine for my levels. But, uh, yeah, it uh, was to the me- middle of the road for me, so I don't know
0: yeah for me it, it it gives about a two and a half space herpes type thing. It's just a meh type thing. It's just okay,
2: yeah, yeah, I would give it a, exactly the same yeah so probably had all the same problems that you know the oceans twelve and thirteen <laughs> or whatever the sequel movies had um, and some of the same problems that the worst of the zombies movies have. but also had the high points from those things. Too. Yeah, I was, yeah.
0: It was just there. It, it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't make me go, Oh yeah, you have to watch this, but it was, eh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you go into it thinking that it's going to be, eh, and just wanting to not have to think and watch a movie, you will enjoy it. But yeah. yeah.
0: Um, one of the things I watched and the season is finally over. Um, <laughs> army of darkness. No, Um, was, it's on HBO Max, which is The Nevers. Uh, The Nevers, uh, appeared on HBO Max, uh, episode six, uh, was last Sunday, and it ended. Um, I hope this series gets renewed, because this is Victorian area meets X-Men meets... Holy crap. What just happened? Because the last episode, I swear I was not watching the nevers. I don't want to spoil it, but if you think you're not watching the nevers, you're watching the nevers, uh, because you get a lot of, um, history of what's going on and why everything's happened. And it changes the entire story and entire background of what happens during the entire evening or the entire season. Um, I love the characters. I think everybody's really fun. I like the superhero, superpower thing. Um, The characters now are exploding bigger than ever because you now get to know what's going on and why it's going on. Um, I hope I get to see more of the background and combination of what's happening currently because the last episode blows everything out of the water. You're like, oh, this is a Victorian episode on... You know, mutant superpower, you know, Victorian X-Men. Nah. Yeah, that that, that that totally did not. Yeah, it completely changes everything on this last episode. Um, so without spoilers, right now I give the Nevers like a half space herpes. Um, just because it's really freaking good, but there's a few tiny little things and it's, and it's, like nitpicking that are like, what, what, but it is very much with it. If you like X-Men, if you like Victorian, Victorian type things, if you like leave League of extraordinary, extraordinary gentlemen, watch this. Uh, it's, it's really, really good.
2: I am really interested to watch that one. So how do you compare it to something like Firefly? You know the other, uh, Josh Whedon.
0: Well, Firefly is a, an entity on its own, and you're, but you can definitely tell he's got that spark in this. You can feel the Josh Whedon spark in it. Um, uh, I don't know; if, it has not been renewed yet, but I understand that Josh Whedon's taken more of a back seat on the second season if he's doing it. Uh, Probably still
1: best because
0: yeah, his yeah, yeah his current predicament. Uh, I think he'll we'll still see. be writing.
1: Up ass, as it yeah. turns yeah. out. Yeah, oh, I,
0: didn't, I didn't hear that yet. Yeah, he's he's had some problems. Um, but uh, there, I'm hoping it gets another season because it's a really good story, got a really good cast, uh, really good uh, setting, clothing, everything's really good. Oh, I always says, not involved
1: with it at all
0: anymore. Hmm. Last I heard, he was probably gonna be taking a back seat and just writing and such, but did not. Oh well, I, I, I okay. wanted to come back. That's my thing. I just wanted to come back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kathy, what you got?
1: I have two other things, and they couldn't be more different than the first one.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yesterday, for the first time, I watched Red Sonia from the nineteen eighty-five with Brigitte Nielsen and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, I loved it. Oh my God, it was so cheesy. It was it was like I was reading one of my Conan of Samaria adventures by Robert E. Howard. I was like, Robert E. Howard must be looking down and smiling on this film because it's so cheesy. Uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger was not Conan, but he kind of was.
2: <laughs> kind of, he
1: kind of was Conan in the uh, King of Aquilonia, sort of Conan. You know, like. He's already been places and seen things, and you know he's the lord of whatever, and uh, and and of course Sonia, you know, was the the wronged victim of of Queen so and so, and her family was slain, and you know, the usual, <laughs> and uh, usual so now drama. she's yeah, so she's. You know, her fairy godmother came down and imbued her with power. And then she went and trained with a sword master at the school of, of sword fighting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at the beginning, it doesn't really show us much of the whole training of sword fighting. Which, you know, when it gets remade, that might actually be a, a cool thing they should consider doing. Is, You know, the training montage. <laughs> 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 but anyways... So it it just shows her and her master saying, you, you are now a master. You don't, there's nothing more we can teach you. Goodbye. You know, like all masters do kick their student out. Like we can't teach you anymore, you know, go away and learn life. So, you know, and then, and then, you know, Conan, Conan comes in. I don't remember his name. It started with a K. <laughs> <laughs> he comes he comes galloping up. he's like, "I've been looking all over for you. Your sister is dying." and uh, takes her to him, and they then they have to go out on this quest to you know her sister's dying wish is, is she has to destroy this artifact. and only women can touch this artifact. and so it has to be her and then they go off and and then she ends up confronting the queen arch nemesis of her youth and and exacting her revenge and Meanwhile, the the hilarious plucky comic relief (laughs) is this child emperor and his uh, valet, I guess, his servant. The the servant was actually my favorite character in the whole thing. I love the Falcon, the servant. I don't remember the actor's name. uh, And the kid actually went on to do a bunch of martial arts stuff. But this little kid who's, like, two years younger than me, was doing all these, these great little martial arts things and, and sword work and stuff in this film. And, uh, I mean, he was, like, I don't know. had to have been 10, maybe? If that. If that.
2: And he was kicking some ass?
1: Well, he was this this, like, snotty uh arrogant upstart young prince, and you know of course, by the end he had changed and they you know they sort of beat into him some sort of humility and uh but but it was so ridiculous and fun. I give it three space herpes, but I would watch it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh peter it's do you a have good another one? bad movie then
1: yeah
2: uh i did have another one so the other one i watched was yin yang master uh which is a chinese movie i did not watch it with subtitles i watched it dubbed um which may have been a mistake because yes the <laughs> actors voices were um pretty cheesy i think (laughs) so you know probably one space herpy just from having cheesy (laughs) cheesy acting voices it was a really unusual movie it had um so you know like i'm not super knowledgeable about chinese culture or customs or uh folklore but i think the idea was that essentially um there's demons and the demons live in a separate realm and, but they sort of interact with the human realm and that the demons aren't necessarily evil. They can kind of be sort of neutral and that if a demon sort of swears their allegiance to uh, towards a human, then that means that it's like an unbreakable bond. So it's sort of like is how you know that a demon can be trusted because they will have sworn their allegiance. So, um, you know, the story kind of starts out with... this this temple that's guarding this evil stone where the demon king has been imprisoned and disaster happens. The main character is then accused of committing the crime that that has caused this disaster and he's outcast. And that's kind of like the beginning of the story. Um, He's obviously not guilty. uh, So he's innocent of the crime. He goes and lives in the forest and he sort of makes friends with these demons. And the demons are oftentimes like wind and the willows type characters, like Disney characters almost. So that's a little, I think, cheesy for my sensibi- sensibilities to have kind of like these wind and willow sort of characters that are protecting against evil. Um, I wasn't really sure who the audience was. You know, like it's interesting in Japan it's rated G. I think in the Philippines it's rated PG-13. In the U.S. it's rated R. So um, oh. I'm not quite sure <laughs> where how you go from G to R. But there's a uh, seems seems to be I'm not sure who the audience is or um, who it's trying to who it's trying to target. It was. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything super redeeming about it. I would say not really. (laughs) It's, um, (laughs) I, I didn't enjoy the plot. Um, I think the animation on it was pretty good. So there's some cool animation that's happening. I, I do like some of the sort of Kung Fu movies where it's a little bit ridiculous, you know, guys flying through the air and, stuff like that so i'm cool with that like none of that bothers me um but yeah i think the dubbing was was pretty bad there was probably quite a bit lost in you know just the character voices for that and then just the entire story arc was pretty abysmal but it had like you could tell it had like a huge budget behind it so like the special effects were good um the martial arts scenes were good, but yeah, for me, is a scale of five space RPs, It would probably be a four, Ooh. but you know, people may enjoy watching it still just cause it's, it's kind of like an extravaganza. So it's a bad movie, but it's got the budget for it to be visually impressive.
0: Cool. Well guys, that is the podcast for the day. Um, we appreciate everybody coming out and listening and so on and so forth. If you haven't, uh, if I can get one of the mods to make sure they link uh, the Kickstarter real quick, go check out the Creature Caster Judgment uh, Eternal Champions uh, Kickstarter. You only have uh, less than 50 hours to go on it. Uh, you've definitely met your goal and exceeded uh, quite a bit. So Yeah,
2: our first day just exploded. I was... When you launch a Kickstarter, it's you're feeling a lot of nerves, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna walk away and yep. and uh, not look at it for a day, and um, I got a call after five minutes being like, oh, we hit our goals. Wow,
1: that's awesome.
2: Which
0: is a really good thing to feel, because then you're like, whoo.
2: <sighs> yeah, exactly. You get to relax a little bit, because uh, there's a there's a lot of stress <laughs> up until that point.
0: Yeah. So. yeah. Now you gotta work <laughs> on the stretch goals, and then mm.
2: stretch goals. Yeah, yeah, just keep unlocking more
0: hopefully so Peter, we appreciate you coming on uh you're always welcome to come on and talk about stuff if you ever want to come on uh maybe you can come in and, and every once in a while jump in the chat and go scissor in a desire Sizorina i desire. will Sizorina i will be desire.
2: doing <laughs> that more often for sure <laughs> <laughs> kind of no. thank pur- you <laughs> thank you so much for having me kathy and, and gonzo it was uh It was tons of fun. Yeah, I really appreciate it.
0: Guys, we're going to send y'all off to Zambies tonight. Uh, So uh, when the raid hits, go over there and jump in. Send all the emotes. Raid her out. Uh, If you haven't followed her, make sure you follow her. Say hi to her. Um, We're going to play the outro music. Just a hint, they can hear us when we talk when the outro music is going. So don't say anything too bad. Okay. (laughs) Oh,
1: shucks. I was... I was thinking of just the worst uh violation of terms of service ever, but I guess I won't say that now.
2: I guess I shouldn't say suzerain of desire multiple times during the music. Right? <laughs> just whisper it.
1: Just, just whisper, whisper it. it softly. Suzerain,
2: suzerain of desire.
0: <laughs> it's not letting me read right for some reason. <laughs>
1: gonna be like oh, there
0: that. It goes. All right, guys. Okay. Have a good night.
1: Outro music. Here we come. Good night, everybody.
2: Good night. Have a good night. Make sure you hit that rate button. I'm John. I'm Kathy. Ha. Huh. That's
1: Gonzo.
2: I don't know who I'm supposed to be. Then I'm supposed to be Gonzo.
1: <laughs> you could be Peter.
2: I could be. Peter.